Hello and welcome to Accounting Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture, we're going to be talking about the auditing process of the inventory process. So the inventory process, we're going to be drilling down on these lectures into the specific accounts. The specific account related to the inventory process is, of course, inventory. But we'll be looking at the process of inventory and other accounts related to that as well, which will be the cost of goods sold, the accounts payable accounts, and others. So here we go with the inventory process of the auditing process. We will be able to describe the inventory process, list types of documents in the inventory process, explain the separation or segregation of duties as it relates to inventory for an internal control, describe other internal controls over the inventory process, list and discuss substantive tests related to the inventory process. So when we think about the inventory process, we can think about it in different types of pieces here, different parts of the piece. We have the purchasing process where we're going to actually purchase if we're talking about a manufacturing company, which we're going to discuss in the manufacturing, that means we're going to actually discuss the purchasing of raw materials that we'll then make into the inventory. If we have a merchandising company, we have some similar issues. It's a little bit more simplified in that case, so you can take out some of the issues related to the manufacturing. That would be us purchasing something. We're actually purchasing the product and then selling it. And then we're going to have the conversion of those raw materials to the finished goods. We're going to have to apply the costs to those goods and to the inventory. And that will include direct labor, direct uh, materials, and overhead, which is going to be included in the cost of the inventory. And then at some point, of course, we will sell that inventory and we'll have the sales process, in which case we're going to sell the inventory in order to generate revenue. And the sales will be affected, inventory will be affected, and the cost of goods sold account are affected at that point. Types of documentation through this process, we have the production schedule. That's going to be based on the expected demand, so that's going to be part of the budgeting process for the company is what they expect to be produced within the production schedule for producing inventory. How much inventory do we expect to produce? We also have the document of the receiving report. That records the receipt of goods from the vendors. So if we're a production company, what are we going to buy? We're going to buy the raw materials. And we're going to buy the raw materials once we get those raw materials from the vendor, the people we buy from, to our port. Then we're going to have the receiving report recording that receipt of the materials. We've got the materials requisition form. Another document, that's going to be an internal document. It's used to track the materials through the process. So when we buy the raw material, let's say we're making guitars and the guitar producing department needs more wood, they could then requisition the wood. So it's an internal process going from one department the production department to in this case the warehouse department where we have the wood who had already bought it from the vendor <laughs> and that document will process the flow of the wood from the raw materials to the other department so we can see and track that information we got the inventory master file that's going to contain all the important information related to the entity's inventory including uh, the perpetual inventory system of the inventory remember when we track the materials in this case we're going to have to track them in a similar fashion that we would if we were a, a company that just bought and sold inventory. We might have it in first in, first out, last in, first out. There's going to be changes to the prices. We're probably going to have some kind of estimation in the raw materials. We're going to have to track the inventory then through the production process until it gets to the finished good process. We got the production data information. Contains information about the transfer of goods and related costs accumulated at each stage of production. That's when we're going to take that raw material. We're going to apply the costs related to it. Those costs are going to be, of course, the direct material, the uh, direct labor, and the overhead are going to have to be applied to it. We're going to have to record that process as we go. 
We've got the cost accumulation and variance report. That's going to be the material, labor, and overhead costs are charged to an inventory as part of the manufacturing process. The difference or the variance report compares actual costs to the budget cost. So remember, we're going to have the variance analysis asking what did we expect to happen? What was what did happen? What is the change? We can drill down that change to its component parts being was there a problem with the material, the amount of material, or was there a problem with the cost of the material and those kinds of, of analysis. We got the inventory status report shows the type and amount of product on hand and we have shipping orders. Those are going to be used to remove goods from the perpetual inventory system. Now let's take a look at the inventory process from a function standpoint, the major functions within the inventory process. We've got the inventory management function. That's going to be the authorization functions, the authorization of product activity and maintenance of inventory at appropriate levels. We have the issuance of purchase requests are involved in that man management process. We have the raw materials function, the function of the raw materials function. That's going to be over the custody of the materials and issuance of the raw materials to the manufacturing department. So that's going to be the part where we, we buy it. We have the custody of the raw materials in the warehouse. We need to issue them when requested to the manufacturing department. Then, of course, we have manufacturing. That's where we make the stuff. That's where we manufacture. So that's where we are going to request uh, requisition the raw materials from the raw materials store and then use them to make the manufacturing. That's when we apply to those raw materials the direct labor that will be included in the cost of inventory and at some point the overhead that will be included all that other stuff like the uh, supervisor salary and the depreciation on the warehouse all that stuff needs to be applied to the the inventory in some way then we've got the finished goods like store or the place that we're, we're going to actually sell the finished goods that's when we're going to have custody of the goods that will be in place to sell meaning the goods that are, have been completed they're no longer in working process they're done they're ready to be sold we have the cost accounting process that's the maintenance of the cost of the manufacturing. So cost accounting is going to involve us applying that information to the, the costs to the inventory, the direct material, the labor, and the overhead to the inventory. Then we have the general ledger. We're going to have to maintain, of course, the general ledger accounts related to all these, which will include the raw materials, the work in process, and all ledgers that are going to be related to back up that work and process. If we're talking about a job cost system, we can back it up by job process cost system. We're going to have to back that up as well. Let's take a look at some of the key separations or segregations of duties. These would be some of the internal controls that we would hope to see within the processing of the inventory. So, for example, the management function of the inventory should be separated or segregated from the uh, cost accounting function. Because if one individual is responsible for both of those, then the production and inventory costs can be manipulated. The inventory stores function should be separated or segregated from the cost accounting function because we do not want the same person to be in charge of both controlling the inventory and accounting for the inventory. Another separation would be the cost accounting function should, not be, should be segregated from the general ledger function. If those two items aren't separated, then we, we usually compare those two ledgers to each other as one of our control functions. So we don't want the same individual to be in charge of both of those functions because that's, that uh, comparison and reconciliation will be a problem. So if we break down the processes through the separation of who's going to do the process, it could look something like this. If we have the preparation of the production schedule, how many units are we going to produce? Management is going to be the one that's going to determine that based on future performance, how much we're going to sell. That's going to be basically the budgeted number. 
the issuance of the raw materials to the production department is going to be done by the raw materials warehouse. The updating of the cost records for materials, labor, and the overhead that are going to be applied to that inventory will be done by uh, the cost accounting. It's going to be in the accounting department, the cost accounting department. The release of the goods to the, to, to the shipping department is going to be done by the finished goods warehouse. And any approval and issuance of purchase requests, that should be done by the inventory management. So it's going to be a one format that we could have this separation of duties through this inventory process. The auditor then, of course, will need to determine the inherent risk related to the inventory. So remember our accounting equation, what's going to be the responsibility of management or at least what's out of the responsibility of ourselves in determining the risk factors. We've got the inherent risk. And in this case, we're applying the inherent risk to the inventory and then of course we have the control risk related to the inventory those are the two things that we need to assess here the inherent risk is the company's responsibility they don't have a whole lot of control over it in some cases because the risk is inherent to the type of inventory that they sell for example if they sell small inventory that is very valuable if they sold diamonds or something like that they would be a lot more risky in terms of theft happening because they're small and easy to, easy to uh, lose or be stolen rather than if they sold large items that uh, like a forklift or something that particular risk might be less in that circumstance we also have risk in terms of valuation if we're talking about inventory that changes value quickly then there's a question as to whether the inventory is still valued correctly is it is it still maintaining its value or has it decreased in value since the time of production so that decrease in value due to in part competition in that sector is a risk factor we need to take into consideration as well so if we're talking about high-tech things we're talking about tablets or something like that as opposed to something that's fairly stable then the risk factor of losing its value could be higher as well and then we need to consider the control risk remember the control risk are the things that management has the process of controlling in some way their system the systems that they are setting up are going to influence the control risk when we get the inherent risk and the control risk then we can determine how much testing we want to do in terms of more internal controls versus more substantive testing so control risk we want to understand and document the inventory management process we want to plan and perform tests of controls on the inventory transactions and then set and document those controls and then determine what we want to do next in terms of further testing with regard to more control tests or substantive testing after that point we'll now take a look at our assertions we're going to take a look first at our assertions related to the transactions for in relation to internal controls so our search our first assertion is occurrence what are the test of controls for occurrence we want to test that the separation of duty is there so we can actually observe the separation of duty whenever we have that transfer of inventory or following the inventory through that process we want to review the process for transferring that inventory the material requisitions forms, those should be pre-numbered so we can go through the pre-numbering of those forms and look for any problems with the pre-numbered uh, forms. The assertion of authorization, we want to review and test procedures related to the developing of the inventory and make sure that the authorization is properly documented as well. The assertion of accuracy, we want to review the procedures for taking a physical inventory and make sure that there is a process for taking the physical inventory even though we have a perpetual inventory system. When we talk about the standard costs for standard costs like the production or standard costs for, for the labor hours, we need to know how they're coming up with those standard costs because those are going to be part of the accuracy process when they're allocating those standard costs. We need to review the variance analysis calculations. So what are going to be the differences from what they thought was going to happen in terms of what actually happened, the variance analysis being the differences in the actual versus the budget. 
we need to take a look at procedures for valuing inventory that is slow to move. So what's the revaluation process for the inventory that is still on the books that may have been there for a while? There should also be some kind of reconciliation process between the perpetual inventory ledgers and the general account ledgers, and we want to make sure that that process is being done. Cutoff testing, the assertion of cutoff testing. Remember, that means that we want to make sure that we have the inventory reported in the proper area. So when we think about inventory cutoff testing, we want to make sure that if we're taking in the inventory something like the materials, we want to make sure that we are recording it at the point in time when basically we've received it. Usually that's going to be that same type of idea. Is it when it gets to the shipper uh, that we have received it or is it when it gets to our warehouse? If we're saying that it, it's when it gets to our warehouse, then we want to make sure that if we look at uh, the shipping documents that it is being recorded at the time that it is in the warehouse. And that would mean that we would record the inventory at that time, the raw materials in this case, as well as any payable related to them. We also need to review the procedures for removing that inventory when it leaves when is it going to be recorded and we need to take a look at that time and make sure that the cutoff test is correct when the inventory is moved out so if we sell the inventory when should it be off our books same type of question is is it when it leaves our warehouse or is it when it gets to the destination whichever it is we need we need to know what that uh, point in time is and take a look at the documentation make sure that it is being uh, recorded accurately classification of inventory means that we want to make sure that the inventory is processed in the right place is it in is it in raw materials when it's in raw materials should it, is it in finished work in process when it should be is it in finished goods and then ultimately it's going to go to cost of goods sold when we no longer have that inventory now when performing the audit we'll go through the assertions in terms of transactions in terms of performing the audit we have the assertion of the occurrence so occurrence of course is that assertion that inventory transactions and events are valid that they've actually happened remember that occurrence we're often thinking about the end process and trying to see if it has happened by backing into it and seeing that it's not a false transaction completeness on the other hand is usually going the other way we're, we're looking for all inventory transactions and events have been recorded so now we're not going from the finished product back we're going from uh, what actually happened like shipping documents or something like that to see that if that has been recorded into the completed documentation then we have all authorization the assertion of authorization all inventory transactions and events are properly authorized we also have the assertion of accuracy inventory transactions have been properly computed and recorded that's going to be a big uh, issue with inventory of course as the inventory gets older uh, is it recorded accurately? What type of recording are we using? Are we using first in, first out, average cost system, last in, first out, specific identification? We also have the cutoff uh, assertion. Inventory receipts and shipments are recorded in the correct accounting period. We are concerned, of course, with the end of the year. If we're talking about a year in, we're talking about December 31st. Do we have the right accounting as of that time period? Meaning, are the inventory as of the end of the years, both in terms of receiving inventory and selling inventory correctly reported in December versus say January of next year and same with the sale, sales of the inventory as well as the purchases of the inventory we got that same cutoff issue classification inventory is recorded in the proper accounts then we have the assertions related to the account balances so if we look at this where we're looking at the balance sheet we're looking at the account balance there and we're making the assertions related to those balances such as inventory and the raw materials First assertion that it exists, the existence. Inventory recorded on the book records actually exists. So we're looking at the inventory on the records and we're saying, does that inventory actually exist? And again, that's gonna be the testing from the final inventory backwards to try to see if it actually is there, if it exists. 
That's going to be a very important one for inventory because if a company wanted to overstate their books, look better than they otherwise would, inventory is a place where they could overstate the book. So we're more concerned of the existence in this case than we may be in, in a liability account, for example, because we're concerned that there's something that got recorded possibly in order to look better that, uh, that uh, shouldn't have been recorded. And so then we have the rights and obligations. Do they have the rights to the inventory on the books? So do they actually basically own, in this case, the inventory that is being reported on the books? Or is it somebody else's actually? Is it, is it on there? Do they have it on their books? Maybe they have it on their books, but it's actually somebody else's. And that's something we need to look into. Completeness. All inventory is recorded. So that's going the other way. That's saying that this number that's in the ending balance of inventory, does it include all the actual inventories, all the actual inventory there? Again, not as big a concern to us now because we're probably thinking that they might overstate inventory more than understate inventory, but there could be errors too. And so we do want to check the inventory in terms of completeness. And that would be testing that we would have to go back to like the, uh, the documentation and then follow that through to the end document to see if it's been valid. And then we have the valuation allocation. Inventory is properly recorded uh, in accordance with GAAP. That's going to be the lower of cost or market. So remember that uh, we want to err on the side of, of being less reported or looking worse, I guess, from the company standpoint than better. So we're going to record the costs of inventory at the lower of the cost or the market. So if we believe the inventory has gone down in value, then we need to record that. We need to make sure that that has been recorded within the audit process. We then have assertions related to the presentation disclosure. So we have the assertions on the disclosure, including occurrence and rights and obligations. So all the disclosures, we are having the assertion that the matters have actually occurred and obtained to the entity. When we think about completeness with regard to disclosures, we're saying that any disclosure related to inventory that should be reported has been reported. And again, we're talking about those material matters that would have a material impact on a decision maker related to inventory should be disclosed and things like the footnote, if, if not on the financial statements themselves. We have the assertion of classification and understandability. That's going to be the, the idea that the financial statements are presented in a way that they can be understood and everything is classified in the proper area. And then we have the assertion of accuracy and, and valuation. Financial and other information related to inventory are disclosed fairly and in the appropriate amounts. We can then do this substantive testing. So remember the substantive testing, we have the two types of substantive testing. We can do more analytical testing and we can do other types of substantive testing, actually digging through, going to the, to the place and looking at the inventory and all that kind of stuff. When we take a look at the analytical substantive tests, remember that we did some of these in the, the planning stage. We're also going to do them in the audit stage and the substantive testing stage. These are the things that we can kind of do in our office. These are the ratio analysis that we can compare numbers look at trends and see if there's any problems. It's going to be a big part of our analytical our procedures, our audit procedures. So a substantive test. We can compare raw materials, finished goods, and total inventory turnover to previous years and industry averages. So clearly what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to take last year's ending numbers. We're going, to, we're going to subtract them from this year's ending numbers. We're going to look at that dollar difference and we're going to say, well, is that, is that significant? But of course, once again, note that that dollar difference is not something that we can often compare to other other industries because other industries may be of a different scale. What we can compare is the ratio analysis. So we want to take that ratio of the inventory turnover, for example, and we can we can more easily compare that not only to prior years of this company, 
but also to inventory averages in a, in a more readable way. We can have a calculation to calculate the average days outstanding for the inventory. So how long is the inventory there before it is sold? And again, we can compare this to the industry as a whole or to the company's track record in the past. We can calculate the gross profit percent. We may do that by gross profit percent by different types of production processes that we have. And again, that percentage is something we can compare to the past and we can compare to other people in related industries. We will compare the budget to what actually happened. So every company is going to have some type of budget of what's going to happen with the production process. And we're going to compare that budgeting process to what actually happened and see if there's any significant differences in what the plan was versus what did happen. We can also look at the budget, the different plans in terms of like the standard costs from year to year and see if the standard costs have sub substantially changed. Standard costs in relation to how much material will cost or how much labor will cost. If, they're, if the budgeted standard costs are significantly different, from uh, period to period there might be issues in there that we want to look into further as well when we are looking at the standard costs and trying to determine how the company is putting together their standard costs we have the factors of material labor and overhead in terms of material we want to test the quantity and type of materials included in the product production and the price so remember that we got those two components when we think about material we're thinking about how much do they think it's going to use what do they budget it to use the standard usage amount in the amount and then the standard cost how much did they think it's going to cost per unit in terms of labor we have the similar comparison but in terms of labor we have the two the two pieces we want to look at in terms of the standards what did they think it was going to cost on average in terms of wages for production so what's the average hourly wage that they were going to apply to the production process and then we want to see how many hours they thought it was going to take per unit of production we then have the overhead and we want to review how they're going to allocate the overhead. So remember, overhead is going to be all that other stuff that we have in the production process. That's like the uh, utilities in the warehouse, the supervisor's salaries, anything small material, like if we're talking about glue or something within a guitar to make it, it's a small material. We're going to put that all in one pile, allocate it. We need to know what that allocation is and whether that allocation method is reasonable. reason we need to allocate it, of course, is a lot of those. We don't know exactly how much is in each product and or they could be like a fixed cost type of uh, information rather than varying equally with the production and therefore we have to allocate it in some way we need to see if that allocation method is reasonable one of the tests of substantive testing over inventory will be actually to go out there and physically count the inventory so the auditors the auditors themselves will actually go out and physically count the inventory how are we going to do this well we're probably going to get some kind of sample of what inventory is on hand from the client do some type of sample testing in terms of what we want to observe, what sample of that inventory we want to observe. Then we have to actually go out there and uh, count that inventory to uh, test for whether that inventory is actually there. During that scheduled time, we would like to have no further production happening. If, if at all possible, we, we would like to not have shipments coming in and going or the inventory moving during the time that we're doing that physical count. When we do this count, we, we wouldn't want to see that the inventory is actually there. We want to count the inventory and make sure that it is physically there. We also want to see and see if, it, uh, is, if there's any problem with the inventory, if the inventory is actually worn down or if, there, if it's broken, if there's problems with the inventory as we go through the inventory count. Now, this will be easier in some cases and not so easy in other cases. In some cases, we may have a question as to whether the inventory is still good or not because we may not be an expert in the particular type of inventory we're trying to judge. So, I mean, if we're counting cloth or something like that and it was cloth from the 70s the question is is it still is it still retaining its value we may need to help for that 
Uh, so we may need to dig deeper in that, but we want to make keep an eye out for any deterioration in the inventory when we're observing it. We also need to be aware of any kind of inventory which would be held for consignment as we go through this process. We then have substantive testing with regards to the transactions. So now we're doing substantive testing with regards to transactions in terms of occurrence. So did the transactions actually occur? So we're looking kind of the later transaction. Did that transaction occur? We could do a vouch of a sample of inventory additions. So we're going to look at the inventory additions in the records and we want to vouch them back to the, to the uh, purchase requests. And that will tie out the ending. Again, we're looking at the ending process. Did that ending process actually happen? Did this transaction actually happen? And we can then go back to the source. We then have the other side of the coin, the completeness side of the coin in terms of transactions. So now we're looking at the source and taking it back up. We can't look at the end product and see that it's complete. What we need to do is look at, at the beginning product and see if it has followed through towards to be included in the ending number. So in the, so in the completeness, we can trace a sample of receiving reports, for example, to the inventory records and see if we have the receiving reports, then it should then be uh, recorded into the inventory records. The authorization, if we're going to test the assertion of authorization, we again want to get a sample of the shipments to ensure that there is a proper approval being recorded on the shipments with a shipment ticket and the customer sale. When we're testing for accuracy, we want we might want to recompute some of the transactions, actually recompute them ourselves and see if our calculations tie out to the calculations or are reasonable in terms of the calculations that are made for the inventory. When we're looking at the assertions related to the account balances and actually testing for the account balances, so now we're actually testing for the uh, inventory and the material balances on the books, then the assertions we're testing for, once again, existence. Do the amounts on the balance sheet actually exist? What's the process in terms of substantive testing that we can do for that? We can go out there, that's our observations. We can go out there and actually physically count them. So again, we've looked at some testing that we could do ratio analysis and some type of things like that to prove the existence. Now we could go out there and say, this is what's on the end books. How can we test that? We can go out and actually look at it and see if that's there. Now, if we come to a difference between our physical count and what actually happened, just like an internal control count, there could be a couple possibilities for what happened. It might be that there's an inventory cutoff error, meaning that the recording of the inventory is not properly being cut off within the correct time period. Uh, we might have un something to do with scrap, so that the scrap or spoilage might not be recorded. So obviously, especially if we're talking about perishable goods, then we could have an amount of spoilage or goods that are become obsolete. And then, of course, there's the problem of theft. So those are some of the things that are going to throw off the physical count from the uh, records, even if we're talking about a perpetual inventory system. When we think about disclosures for the inventory, if we're looking at the notes to the financial statements, there are certain things that are going to have to be disclosed within the financial statements. We need to know what kind of cost method, for example, is going to be in the disclosures. That's going to be an important piece. Cost methods being included. Do we have the specific identification method where we're actually uh, valuing each individual piece of inventory? Or is it first in, first out, FIFO? Or are we using last in, first out, LIFO? Are we using the average method when we are calculating or estimating the value of the inventory on the books. What are the different components of inventory? If we have different types of components and different uh, separations of those components, how are those disclosed? Do we have any long-term purchase contracts? Long-term purchase contracts represent a significant uh, commitment within to the future, and that could have a significant impact on decision makings of the financial statements, so those should be disclosed. Any consigned inventory, that should be within the notes. 
purchases from related parties. Those are something that uh, often we want to have more scrutiny on. We should be uh, posting or showing the purchases of related parties that are material and warranty obligations. Warranty obligations could have a significant impact. So we want to disclose what the warranty obligations are. After the tests of controls and the substantive tests have been completed, then we can take a look at all the evidence and see if we have enough evidence to uh, say that we have a tolerable uh, misstatement. If we have a tolerable misstatement, we could say that they were presented fairly. If we have a uh, intolerable misstatement, then we'd have to presume that it would or come to the conclusion that uh, the amounts are presented unfairly. Hopefully that we have evidence that the gathered evidence would represent and prove the fact that we have a tolerable misstatement and say that the inventory accounts are fairly represented.